0: This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 1030 a.m. and 230 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. This morning we want to direct our attention to John 6, beginning with verse 53, As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. O oh, Peter. Peter can make some of the biggest blunders in the world and he can stand higher and taller than any man sometimes. It seems like to me that Peter, he's either one way or the other. He reminds me so much of myself. (laughs) What mistakes he makes and then occasionally he finds that acorn and he understands and he sees. He asks a question. Here this morning, to whom shall we go? And he makes a statement, thou hast the words of eternal life. So I want to ask you this morning to think about to whom shall we go? Have you ever noticed that there's any number of reasons that people go to church? And if you talk to people, and you talk to them long enough, you'll find out they've got some reasons why they go. Some people go to church because they say, well, uh, I know that I need to be there. And they start looking for a church that can fulfill their needs. I need to be there, so let's look and see what needs I have. Uh, Many people will go for the social aspect. It's just true. You know, at one time in this country, there uh, in the world, actually, but particularly even in this country, there was a thing called Christendom, and the days of Christendom are over. I believe they're gone. And what Christendom meant is that the church and uh, the influence of the church had extensive influence throughout the whole world and throughout the whole country and uh, they lived under Christendom the church became the center of the community the church became the influence of the community in so many ways not only uh, scripturally or uh, uh, spiritually I I mean to say not only spiritually but even uh, carnally my mother used to tell me about when she would go to church down in the hills of Cannon County. Now you don't know anything about the hills of Cannon County, but the hills of Cannon County are just that they are hills. That's why you know we got the name Hillbilly for a reason, and she would uh, go down there and her her mother would go there and she said, when they had a gospel meeting, everybody turned out, even whether they believed in God or not. <laughs> it didn't matter. She said that she could remember, or my grandmother actually said this, and my mother told me about it, that her her grandmother, she said, the boys, she said they'd carry their pistols, and they'd be walking to church with their pistols, and it was an exciting time, they'd fire off the pistols. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Well, you know, The reason why a lot of driving force behind that is because this is the time the kids could get together. They'd have massive baptisms, and sometimes these baptisms were just that. Uh, These kids would react and all, and I've talked to so many people of that era that said, I didn't really know what I was doing. That's why today we get some rebaptisms, because this influence of this gaiety and this gay time and the church was the center of the social activities. Some people go to church like that still. I knew a man in, uh, that I worked for in Memphis. He, he uh, ran the radio station where I worked at, and he changed churches so he could get advertising accounts. He knew that he needed to reach out and feather out so he could get the advertising he needed to get. To make those contacts. In other words, some people look at church like network marketing. <laughs> and then there's some that go to satisfy the flesh. To see what they can get out of it. And we see a group of people like that in this story that we read this morning. They were going and they were getting fed physically. Physically. They'd go and they'd get fed. Some of those in that crowd, I believe, went for the entertainment aspect of it. Now, you know good and well that it would be extremely entertaining to see somebody get up and heal a withered hand or heal a blind man. And people are still looking for those things, and they go to these massive assemblies to hear somebody that they think, well, maybe there's a possibility we can see this. And so you'll see thousands of people go to see somebody perform some great miracle. I heard a, a, we baptized actually a young lady back home. Her dad was uh, in part of that group at one time. And she said, you know, my dad was always looking for a miracle, looking for a miracle, looking for a miracle. And she said, he, got to t- he, t- he started telling me about a woman who came forward, and he said, a miracle happened. She said, I said, what happened? He said, God changed the color of her fingernail polish. And she thought, of all the miracles, this is what she said. She said, I thought of all the miracles God could do, and he's changing polish, fingernail polish color. She saw through that. And that's why it led her to a different motive. And maybe it leads you to a different motive. You know, we're going to have a meal later on, and there's not a thing in the world wrong with that. But I'm telling you, if you came for the meal, then you came for the wrong reason. The meals end. The entertainment ends. It's over. All of those things vanish. The gay gatherings of the 1920s of church when Christendom ruled in this country, and the influence was primarily from a religious standpoint, and people wanted to argue and debate over who had and who knew the most Bible. Look, we live in a time that's ended, it's ended. It's hard to get a Bible discussion anymore. And the reason why it's hard and difficult is most people know absolutely nothing about it. And they don't want to talk about something that they feel uneducated about. But in that day, people did. Well, this group of people here that we read about this morning, they saw, I believe there was all of those uh, different categories of people. And then when Jesus actually started teaching them something for a reason to be with him, they started filtering away. And they started going and leaving. It's a sad truth, but it's still a truth. At the end of the day, there may just be a few. I believe Jesus said that, didn't he? Few there be that find it. We can amass the crowds. If crowds is what we're about, there's there's ways to do that. But the real question is, is when all of these things subside and they start filtering away, and we look around and we're the only ones left, and the question comes to us, Well, are you going to go away too? I've seen too much of it in my life, brethren. I've seen too much of the people that come and they are on fire because of whatever feeling or uh, situation that they're involved in. And then when truth starts being revealed, they start falling away and going somewhere else. This passage that we've read in a few minutes, we will take the communion of the Lord. And this is exactly what Jesus, I believe, is talking about. What he said, when you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. We're not eating literally of the flesh of Christ and eating literally and drinking literally of his blood. But Jesus understands something and he's telling us something. He is telling us that we have to have a communion. I want you to think about that word for a minute. You use that a lot. Uh, We use it every Sunday. We talk about the Lord's Supper, and we'll say communion. If you break that word down and you look at some of the root meaning of the word communion, the word communion means common union. I can't be in a union with someone by myself. It ceases to be a union. I stand solitary. And when we are taking the Lord's Supper and when we come into an assembly like this, we become in a common union. And that union, then we need to determine what that union is, and we need to determine our motives and our driving forces behind that union. You can have a common union with worldly people. And you can commune with them. But Jesus says and teaches us through his Holy Spirit that light and darkness have no communion. They have no common union. But you and I have a common union. And that's why when we come together and assemble around this table and we eat of this meal, this spiritual meal, we are eating because we have a common union with our Lord. We eat his flesh drink of his blood in the supper. And Jesus tells us that there is no life outside Jesus. Look where you may. And determine your reasonings for doing what you're doing. Look where you may. But you will not find life outside of Jesus. And you will not find... A common union with Jesus outside his church. You will not. And when this was revealed to these people, and they look at looked at it perhaps on the on the surface and said, I'm not a cannibal. Now we know that Jesus was not talking about literally eating his flesh. Or literally drinking his blood. And we know too, and we understand through the scripture and through spiritual eyes that when we eat this bread, it does not literally turn into flesh. And when we drink this cup, it does not literally turn into blood once it's ingested in our system. He is showing us this through a spiritual mindset and through spiritual eyes. Misunderstandings still exist as to the importance of Christ and the fellowship that exists there. And we see in this text many leaving and walking with him no more. The misunderstandings today that exist, and so many of them exist in the misunderstandings of the need for Christ, is we look at Christ in any number of ways that is wrong. Sometimes I think that uh, we're guilty of looking at him as a servant boy. And what I mean by that is we call on him when we need help. Lord, I'm in trouble here. You need to help me. Get, get what I need. And our prayer life becomes more of a Jesus becoming a servant to us instead of being Lord to us and us a servant to him. Sometimes we act that way toward his church. Church. Well, those people don't pay any attention to me. Those people hurt my feelings. And, and you know, if you're looking at lo- the Lord's bride that way, perhaps you might consider you're looking at him that way. Because after all, the bride and the groom are one, aren't they? The scripture says, when they turned and walked away from Jesus. I want to ask you something. Where were they going? And let me ask you this morning, if you decide you no longer want Jesus, you no longer want his church, you're tired of it. I hear people all the time, and I see people all the time. They may not say it aloud, but what, what they're really saying is, uh, I, well, I'm too tired this morning, uh, or uh, I just I don't feel well. And all that may be true. But if it's over and over and over and over and over and over and over, are they really saying, I'm really tired of the Lord? And I'm not getting the feelings from Him that I would really like to have? Is that what they're really saying? I don't know. I don't know their heart. Someone says, well, my ox is in the ditch. It happens. Jesus makes that plain that it happens. The old ox gets in the ditch. Hindrances come. They occur. But let me ask you something. If that ox is in the ditch over and over and over and over and over, and that ox, what would you do, farmers, if you had a tractor? that every time you went out to get on it, it wouldn't start. What would you do? I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd sell that thing. And if I've got an ox that is continually getting in the ditch and your ox may be, it could be any number of things. It could be your job. It could be a football game, it could be a basketball game, it could be any of these things. But I'm telling you, if I've got an ox that is continually getting in the ditch, I'm going to ship him. I'm going to find me a new ox. And I may have to make some changes in my life. And that ox that I'm so content with and I like so much and he's making me so happy, I may have to get rid of him. uh, We baptized a... Uh, a boy, or at least secondhand. Let me put it that way. Uh, he told me. He said, "Mark, he said, when before I was a Christian, he said I got up every morning, Sunday morning, and he said I got up early on Sunday morning." He's being so honest, and I I love this honesty. And he said, "I might tell people I'm not going to church because any number of reasons." But he said, really what I wanted to do is he said, I was preparing for NFL Sunday. (laughs) And he said, I'd get my snacks. And he said, I'd get my drinks. And he said, then I'd start reading and I'd start preparing for NFL Sunday. And then by the time that ball game came on, he was ready to go. Let's be honest. He told me, he said, when I had a change of mind and change of heart, he said, I knew that had to go. That was an ox that had to be shipped. (laughs) Get rid of him. It was hindering him. Well, if this boy decides that he no longer wants to walk with Jesus, where do you think he's going to go? You want to go back to the NFL Sunday? Probably. Let me ask you, where would you go? What would you do? Somebody says, well, I love to sleep late on Sunday. I love sleep late Sunday. and And when I became a Christian, I couldn't do that. Because I had to go to church and I I recognized the necessity of going to church. So, would you go back to sleeping late? Is that what you would do? The boys this morning, I woke up, when I got up, uh, they were all strewn out in the living room. All of them. And they were on little old bitty, one of them was on a little bitty cot, one of them was on a couch, the two of them in a chair. And they were sleeping like crazy. And I looked at them and I said, I am so envious. <laughs> because it has been years since I could do that. That you could climb up on something and that was uncomfortable and it didn't matter. You could find comfort in it and you could sleep. The older people that are in this room today, when was the last time that when you went to sleep you truly went unconscious? <laughs> And sometimes people desiring that, they'll take drugs to try to get back to that childhood sleep. We may hold in our, uh, in our mind, well, if I could only sleep late on Sunday, and I wouldn't have to go in there and do that, and I wouldn't have to get up and get ready. I wouldn't, have blah, 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 blah. Deep down in our mind, some of these things occurs. Could I go back to that? I could only sleep late. Let me ask you this. Would you go back to uh your recreation? What about this? Would you go to your possessions? I've got a, I've got a little nice nice little fishing boat. What if I just dis- and I do. Monty's seen it. Josh seen it. It's a nice little fishing boat. What if I decide that? That's what I'm going to go to, my possessions, because they become important. What about my family? I love to spend time with my family. What about if we just made this time of serving God, if we just walk away from that, and we just go to our family? That a, it, wouldn't that be noble? Wouldn't that be okay? And what about that self-time? I love the term, I've got, I need be some alone time. I need be some self-time. Just for me. Back in the day when I was young, it was a a TV commercial, Calgon, take me away. You remember that? Sean says no, I do. I remember it. Calgon, take me away. Self-time. We want that. Is that where you would go? There was a young man that came to Jesus once, and he asked him, Uh, what thing that he would do that he need to have eternal life. And Jesus told him that the thing that was really troubling him, and perhaps we could use the term earlier to help us understand you've got an ox in the ditch and this oxen is really hindering you and he's really giving you a problem. And this man's was money. He was covetous. So Jesus tells him, you've got to ship it. You've got to get rid of it. And he tells him, he says, go sell all that you have. Give to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. Well, the Bible says that that man went away grieved. Let me submit an idea to you this morning. That if you ever, if you ever truly come in the presence of Jesus... And you have, if you've come to worship him in spirit and in truth and to have this common union with your brethren in the bread and the blood, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. If you ever come into that presence of Jesus and you turn around and walk away from him, you'll walk away in grief. And perhaps that's what it means when it says that it would have been better that they had never known the way of truth. Because the grief that comes with that, of rejecting the the master of the universe. This young man walked away grieved for he had great possessions. For this young man, his money was more to him than Jesus or eternal life. I may be talking to somebody here this morning that you've been placing things ahead of Jesus for so long you do not really realize the value that you're placing on those things. What is really more important than Jesus? What is really more important than your eternal salvation? To whom shall we go? Are you really so sold out on something else other than Jesus that you're willing to give up eternal life? This man went back to his possessions. He walked away from Jesus. Do you think he walked away satisfied? I know he walked away grieved. What about satisfied? Do you think he found satisfaction in what he had? I want to ask you another question this morning let 's think about your possessions now, these possessions don't have to be monetary possessions they can be but let's let's think about your possessions. What do you possess that you feel would be impossible to lose? when I was a uh, and I suppose every kid sometimes or another goes through this, but I would lie in my bed at night and I would some, a feeling would come over me and I would get to imagining, what if my parents died? And I just, I just felt like it would be impossible. I couldn't bear it. And that went on for teenage years and then it went on for a, a young adult life. What about your wife? I've seen people that they'd lose their mate and it just seems unbearable. I had a, an old man tell me that he said, I'm going to tell you, he said, that's the lonesome of lonesomes. There's nothing harder than losing that companion that you've been married to for all those years and you've shared all those things together. Nothing harder. Some of you here may have had the burden of having to lose your child. All of us have these possessions that we think, and I understand when I'm saying possessions that you think about a wife or a a, a child, that it's not a possession like uh, money or a, a monetary thing. But they are given to us, and they belong to us, and we belong to them. There's a man down in Alabama that uh, he had a teenage boy. And he got out one Sunday afternoon driving a vehicle over the farm, and they were just out having a good time like teenagers do. And an accident occurred, and that boy drowned in about six inches of water. And he had to take that 13-year-old boy, and he had to bury that boy. He told me, he said, people would come to me, and they'd say, I don't see how you stand it. I don't see how you take it. And he told me, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, there's no choice. You have to take it. He said, someone told me, asked me one time, he said, well, aren't you mad at God over this? He said, why would I be mad at God? He said, after all, he said, I've got two other children besides this boy. And he said, God is in charge of them too. And God is God, and He will always be God. And He is blessing me to allow me to keep these children. I could lose them too. Job did. And I appreciated so much His spiritual outlook on all of this. My point is this I lost my parents. If I live long enough, if I live long enough, I'll probably lose my mate. And if circumstances happen, I could lose my children. All of those things are so much more than losing your job. Some people think they're losing their job. Oh, well, I just can't hardly bear it. What would you, what if you, what do you have today? That if you lost it, you'd think, I just don't know if I can bear it. Now, let me ask you the next question related to this. Will you be able to keep these things forever? Of these relationships? The possessions that you've built? My son-in-law's dad... Uh, grandfather, I'll get it right in a minute. My son-in-law's grandfather, they, they woke up one night to a fire in their house. And they got outside. He and his wife, and that house consumed, was consumed in that fire. He told his wife, as his arm was around him and tears streaming down his face, he said, honey, we've, ha- we've got a lot of good memories in that house. We've raised our children in that house. We've got so many good memories in that house. That can't be taken away from us. There are things that cannot be taken away from you and that you can't lose. And some of these things, uh, the Bible speaks of them as goodly pearls. There was a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Things of value. These things of value are not material things. They're not even relationships. They can be goodly pearls, but rest assured, every relationship that you have on this earth will end. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. But the relationships that we, the common union that you and I have, of brothers and sisters in Christ... And that union that we have, that will be an eternal relationship. We are members of not only a church local, but at a church individual. But when we're baptized into Christ, we become members of Church Universal. And this Church Universal is going to be delivered up to God in heaven. And if my mom and my dad... Are members of Church Universal, and I'm members of the Lord's Church Universal, and I have that common union between Jesus' blood and them, then that common union will not be broken in heaven. And they are still members of the Lord's Church, and I will be a member of the Lord's Church forever because we have that common union. What do you possess? What do you love? Is there anything that you love more than Jesus Christ? And if you lost these things, the question is, to whom shall we go? There's so many people today, it seems to me, that think so little of the church that they're willing to walk away from it. We've seen this in some of the trials that we've experienced as of late. We've seen this by the things that people will do and how they behave in their life of placing importance over the church. And I'm not just talking about an assembly. I believe attending the assembly is indicative of your love for the church. Trust me, I believe that. But I'm talking about the relationship that's inside that church. The relationship that's inside with, between each other. What if you lost this relationship of being a brother or sister in Christ with someone? Some people could walk away grieved, ungrieved, it, it appears to me, lack of it. Other people will walk away and uh, they grieve, but some people seem to not have a pang of grief over this loss maybe they never had the relationship to begin with and consider that one cannot think little of the church and think highly of Christ absolute impossibility if you do not value the church you do not value Christ You said, Mark, that's a brave statement to make such a thing. Uh, Well, think about this. Ephesians 5 tells us that the church is the bride of Christ. Guys, you remember when you married your wife? And she appeared that day? My wife... Uh, We were married in a little building up in Litchfield, Kentucky, and I hadn't seen her for 24, 48 hours or so, 36 hours maybe. And I was standing up there with a preacher and the best man, and I'm standing up there, and I'm waiting, (laughs) and I'm nervous. And my bride, she walks out from the side with her dad, and she's adorned. For her husband, and my jaw dropped. Never seen a more beautiful woman in my life. It's my bride. Can you imagine somebody coming up to you on your wedding day and talking bad men about your wife? Or disrespecting her? Wives, can you imagine someone disrespecting your husband? Perhaps making fun of him? Perhaps sarcasm about who he is and what he is? I'll tell you, every day you and I are subjected. To this disrespect of the Lord's bride. we become the offscoring. For the Lord's sake. You know what that means? You uh, you cook some bacon. And you fry it up. And that offscoring is the stuff that's left. And it's not fit to put on the plate. It's too greasy. Or it's just not, not edible. It's just not good. In any food, that's the off You throw it away. The world has thrown us away. The world looks at the Lord's church and makes statements like this. I don't need the church. I can worship God anywhere. Me and the Lord, we've got this relationship going on. And I can talk to him and I can be with him and I don't need to go to church and I don't need to, to go through these that you call the Lord's Supper and I could have this relationship anywhere the Lord knows me and he loves me one fellow put it this way he said "Being the Lord's got a good relationship he said he loves to forgive sin and I love to sin and that sounds absurd but that's the way many people live And the church then becomes a byproduct, it becomes the offscoring of those things that are good in people's lives. But I want to tell you something, Robin is my bride, and you cannot think little of her or despise her and love me. You just can't do it, nor expect me to honor you in those things. Understand, we're not to take vengeance. The Lord clearly states that. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, thus saith the Lord. We are to bear the, the, the infirmities. We're to bear the, the persecution of being the Lord's bride. But there's going to be a day. There's going to be a day that the Lord will come back taking vengeance upon those who do not know him. And they've lived their entire life thinking the church is no more than a place to go get entertainment or a place to get some food or something to satisfy their ego. God is going to take vengeance on that because they have disrespected his bride. To whom shall we go? You going to go to your possessions? Luke 18 says... How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? One thing for sure, you're going to give up your possessions, every one of them. But Peter says, Lord, lo, we have left all and followed thee. And they did. Can you imagine answering the call of the Lord and you had to get up from your job and leave your job? They left their job, walked away from the fishing nets. Walked away from the tax collector's table. Walked away. It's more important for me. Because why? Because thou hast the words of eternal life. There's two types of life. There's determinate life. Where there is a finite life, you're going to live so many years, you're going to die. Then there's eternal life. Which do you want? You want to live forever? They left their nets. Verse 20 says, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. Another passage speaks of this testimony of the apostles. They immediately left the ship and their father. There comes a day. If you're going to follow Jesus, you may even have to leave your family. They did that. Let's understand that our possessions are temporary, our jobs are fleeting, and all of our family is mortal. Our comfort and our solace can never be found in these things that we possess. Luke 12:15, Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. We look at what we've been able to accomplish in our life. We look at the things that we've been able to gain possession of. And many people, they define their life by that. Jesus said that's not the definition of a man's life. All of us are, are, we fare very well. Every one of us in this room, we fare very well. It's been said that we live better than an 18th century king. And we do. But if you get to the point in your life that your possessions and your wealth is giving you definition of your life, uh, you're falling into many hurtful lusts and you're going to give up everything that you've got. So Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. There's no other place that you can go to find life eternal except in Jesus. When life gets hard, turn to Jesus. When losses of this world come, turn to Jesus. When sin is overwhelming, turn to Jesus. When the pain gets too much to bear in your mind, turn to Jesus. Don't walk away from him. Don't turn to these things. Let's not be guilty of what they were guilty of, of that multitude. It's ironic to me, or I don't know if that's the right word or not, but it, there's something about it that convicts me. And These people actually got to see firsthand Jesus at his work. What? What... Can you imagine being able to listen to him preach? Can you imagine? And to see the miracles. And to to know firsthand this love that emanates from perfect humility. And to have the master's touch. And then when truth comes, that this communion that you have has to be so close in order to have life that it has to be in you and through you and such a part of you that you become one. They say, I can't handle that. And many people can Many people can't because they can't walk away from their stuff. Or the things that they've learned to live, to love in this life. So they walk away. Walk away back to the temporary. And reject eternal life. In a few minutes we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper I haven't given this lesson so that I can prepare you for this. Sean's going to do that. Sean's going to help remind us. I have given this lesson to you to understand that our fellowship with Christ needs to become so close and must become so close that we are as the bride and the groom. And our respect and our love for him is such but when you walk out of this building today, you can look and say, there's no place for me to go. There's nothing in this world that's going to attract me and take me away from the Lord and his church. There's no place to go. If you're here this morning and you're not a part of his body and his blood, You're not a part of this deep relationship. You can be. The invitation is for whosoever will. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. Scripture teaches us that we were all dead, every one of us. And he died while we were all dead. So that when he was resurrected and we participate in this gospel of Jesus Christ, of his death, burial, and resurrection, we too can have life. And we're resurrected with him, to live with him. Our respect for this common union of each other should be such that when I hear the disrespect and I hear the accusations placed against the Lord's bride, I understand it's against me. And it hurts. But it should hurt me so bad for you too because you're my brother and you're my sister. We are bound together in a common union through the blood of Jesus Christ and through his body that was offered upon the tree. Let's not separate from that. Let's bind together even more as we partake of this in a few minutes. If you're here and you need baptism, you need Christ. We have water ready. We want to baptize you. Because we'd understand that in the blood of Jesus Christ is where forgiveness of sins is met. And baptism allows us through that hope, that hope that is attached to salvation And baptism is that hope that is attached to salvation. And it allows us to contact our Savior and to be with Him through our submission of faith. If you're here this morning and you need prayers of the church to strengthen your union, I believe the Lord instructs us to pray with each other. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus wants you to be close to Him. And He wants us to be close as a body, and as a unit. And to operate together all with the same mind. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard, or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com. Or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.